You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. working in the life of David to bring David into a place of total dependence upon God. Wow. God uses instruments in our lives. He uses many different things in our lives. And we need spiritual discernment to see those instruments and not rail against them. But we must accept them as God's handiwork to mold us and shape us into the person that God has intended us to be. God wants to be glorified in our lives. He wants to be magnified in our lives. And that takes a process. That takes a refining process. When was the last time you cried out to God for help? When was the last time that you had to depend on God to get you through a severe hardship? As Pastor Dave continues his teaching through 1 Samuel, he'll be encouraging you to live wholeheartedly for God and to remember that only He can deliver you. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 24 as he continues his message, David Delivers Saul. There's so many caves in this area, but what are the odds he would choose that cave where David's men are hiding? Surely it must be the Lord. Well, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. I think the Lord wanted to see what David would do. I think the Lord was looking to see what David was going to do with this opportunity. Opportunity. David, are you going to put yourself on the throne? Or are you going to let me put you on the throne? Are you going to work mightily hand and then do it? See, David sought God. David was a man after God's own heart. He sought God all the time. And nowhere do we read God saying, Hell, David, you got him. I've delivered him into your hand. Nuh-uh. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. They must have been overjoyed when they saw David take his dagger out. Here he goes. Here he goes, man. He's going to do it. We're going to get to go home. We're going to go get to see my wife and my kids. I'm going to get to go home. No more hiding. I can walk down the streets of Jerusalem happy and free. And we're going to get to go home. We're going to get to go home. They want it to be over. They've been on the run for now for quite some time. Years and years and years. Imagine their surprise in what David does next. Look at the end of verse 4. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. You see what he just did? He should have run him through with that dagger. He cut off the corner of his robe. What's that all about? Why didn't he kill him? Imagine the surprise in their eyes. He cuts off a piece of the robe. Why didn't he know? Why didn't Saul turn around and go, who did that? It was dark. Many think he might have removed his robe. There's the theory out there that he might have removed his robe and laid it down. And David cut off there. It just says he cut off a piece of his robe. We really don't know the circumstances. Let me ask you a question. Did David's men think him a coward? 
when he didn't kill the king? I don't know. It doesn't say that either. But you know, sometimes when we honor God, we'll be thought of as cowards, won't we? Sometimes when we honor God and take the road less travel, take the Christian road, we'll be thought of as cowards. David took the road less traveled. He wasn't ready to kill. Look at verse 5, and we're going to look right into David's heart. You got a great picture of David's heart. Now it happened after that David afterwards that David's heart was troubled because he had cut Saul's robe. Listen to the heart of this man. Listen to the heart of this man. His conscience was bothering him so much he was troubled because he, all he did was cut off the robe. Cut a little piece of the robe off. We don't know how big a piece he cut. But his heart was troubled. I love this about David. I really do. And you look right into this guy's heart. He was troubled. Then in verse 6 he says to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he is the anointed of the Lord. David's conscience bothered him on so many different levels that he cut off the robe. His conscience bothered him. It was an insolent act of disrespect to the king. It was an insolent act of disrespect because he humiliated Saul when he did that. It could also be looked at as a symbolic gesture. What did Saul do to Samuel? Remember when Samuel told Saul that his kingdom was being ripped apart from him? What did Saul do? Grabbed onto Samuel's robe, remember, and tore it and ripped it. So it, it could be a symbolic gesture there. That happened in Samuel 15. By cutting the robe, but David was David declaring that the kingdom was now transferred to him? Or was the piece of cloth that David cut proof that he wasn't going to kill the king? That he didn't want to kill the king? Those are all possibilities that we can look at. And those who said otherwise were liars that he was going to kill. What did David say? This was incredible. He was basically saying that God's anointed Saul was also an instrument of God. Think about this. David was declaring that God's anointed king, Saul, was also God's instrument. He, Saul, was being used to stretch David, to make him into the man God wanted him to be. God was using Saul and this whole situation of being hunted and trapped. He was an instrument working in the life of David to bring David into a place of total dependence upon God. Wow. God uses instruments in our lives. He uses many different things in our lives. And we need spiritual discernment to see those instruments and not rail against them. But we must accept them as God's handiwork to mold us and shape us into the person that God has intended us to be. God wants to be glorified in our lives. He wants to be magnified in our lives. And that takes a process. That takes a refining process. David didn't only control himself and his actions. He also controlled 600 men. He controlled 600 men. They could have easily killed Saul. David could have said, one of you do it, and walked away, and they could have killed Saul. Look at verse 7. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul, and Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Wow. So why did David spare the king's life? He honored him as a king. He honored him as God's anointed. Absolutely. David knew that God had promised him 
that you will inherit the throne of Israel. He knew that Saul was in the way of that promise. But he also knew it was disobedient for him to kill Saul because God had put Saul in that position. God had placed Saul there and in a position of authority. If God placed him there, whose job was it to take him out? God's, not David's. David wanted the promise to be fulfilled, but he refused to try to fulfill it himself. God's promised through his own disobedience. He couldn't fulfill that. He couldn't do that. How many of us have a promise from God? How many of us have a promise from God and we see it and we think, I need to fulfill this promise instead of waiting for God to fulfill the promise? Many of us try to fulfill our own promises. Many of us try to push our way into situations and push our way into circumstances where God's promises are being fulfilled as if God needs our help. (laughs) As if God needs my help. My goodness. How arrogant would I be to think that God actually would need my help? My goodness. Sometimes we have a promise from God and we think we're justified in sinning to pursue that promise and getting that promise done. This is always wrong. God will fulfill his promises. He will do what he says he will do and he will do it righteously. Well, who are we supposed to be like? We are supposed to be like Abraham who took his son up a mountain and was ready to kill him because God said so. Knowing all along that if he killed him, God would raise him from the dead because God had given him a promise that through Isaac the seed shall come. God had given him that promise, so Abraham trusted in the promise of God. That's what we need to do. We need to trust in the promises of God. You can find that in Genesis 22, by the way. Even more, we need to be more like Jesus who didn't take Satan's offer when he offered him the world. We need to be more like that. In all this, we see that David not only knew how to wait on the Lord, but he also knew how to wait for the Lord. I like that. F.B. Meyer says this, we wait on the Lord by prayer and supplication, looking for the indication of his will. We wait for the Lord by patience and submission, looking for the imposition of his hand. I like that. David was determined that when he sat on the throne of Israel, it wouldn't because he was the one that removed Saul. It was God that put him there. God that put him there. When you're given a promise of God, one of the most difficult things to do is wait. It's a very difficult thing when you have a true promise for God. When you have a true promise that God has given you, and you know it's going to come to fruition one of these days, but you wait, and you think it might happen here. You think it might happen there, and then it doesn't happen, and sometimes you get upset. You get angry. God, I thought you said you were going to do this for me. I thought you said this was going to happen. This happened to me before I came down here. I told you the story in 1993. I got a specific call to God telling me I was going to be a pastor. It was a specific call. There were specific scriptures. There was a specific time. God told me I would be a pastor. And I waited. I waited. I served him. I served him. And he opened up a fellowship in, in Upper Township that had 45 people coming every Sunday night to hear the book of Genesis. And we went through the entire book of Genesis, all 50 chapters. There was 45 people every Sunday night. I thought, Lord, you're going to do something good. This is what's going to happen. 
And I even remember praying, Lord, if it be your will, let this go into a church if that's what your will is. And Lord, this is your study. You can close it if you want to. I never thought he would. So I'm like, he did. He closed it. Oh, I was crushed. I said, I was crushed. It wasn't until I finally got to the point where I said, Lord, promise happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm still going to trust in you. I'm still going to walk by faith in you. I'll still serve you. I don't, doesn't matter. See, we all want to help God out. Help you out, God. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Let me help you. We want to take matters in our own hands. It's interesting that David's heart never stored up any bitterness towards Saul. Even as Saul made David's life so miserable, David never said a word against him. Never was angry with him. Never tried to take the, uh, the uh, throne by force. He kept taking it to the Lord. He kept receiving and cleansing from the hurt and the bitterness and the anger. That's what we need to do. We need to take it to the Lord. Constantly take it to the Lord on our face before the Lord. If David stored up bitterness and anger towards Saul, he probably wouldn't have been able to risk the temptation to kill him. The angerness with the anger and the temptation would have been too great. So David comes out of the cave now and he yells to Saul. He comes out of the cave and he yells to Saul. Let's read 8 through 15. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, My Lord and King, listen to the way David addresses him. My Lord and my King. And then Saul looked behind him and David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down before him. What respect. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, Saul seeks to harm you? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, calls him his father. See, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt me, my life, to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me. And let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore, let the Lord judge between you and me and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. Wow. David wants to prove to the king, hey, I'm not the guy. Look at the way he treats the king. My Lord, my King, he bows before him. That was a dangerous thing to do. Any one of the king's men could have ran up there and, and cut his head right off. But he had confidence in God that God would fulfill his promise. I will not stretch my hand out against you, for you are the Lord's anointed. David recognized that he was the Lord's anointed and refused to harm him. He refused. But he humbly confronted Saul with his sin, hoping Saul would change his heart. Why do you seek me? I've done nothing wrong. Why are you trying to kill me? You listen to people's tall tales. How many times do we get tied up in people's tall tales? And we start to think evil about a person or think bad about a person by something we've heard. It's so easy because our flesh wants to think, oh yeah, you buy into that. And all of a sudden, your feelings toward that person is tarnished. Oh, it's so hard to treat them and let them make their own reputation with you. 
He hoped Saul would change his heart. Why do we listen to what other people say? Goes back to high school tactics. You know what they said about you? We listen. In verse 15, David repeated himself. He said, let the Lord judge between you and me. David didn't do any more to defend himself. David didn't need to defend himself. The Lord was his defender. The Lord knew what was going on. He knew the matter. and the Lord, He gave it right to the Lord. David would let God plead his case. God would be the judge. Didn't, he, didn't, didn't say, my hand is against you. He proved it by not killing Saul. The remainder of the verses in 16 through 22 is Saul's response. And look at this response. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him walk away, get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall be surely king, and the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to David. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. It is beautiful. But you know what you can call this? Great intentions. Great intentions. Oh, the, fle- the spirit is so willing, but the flesh is so weak. I think Saul really wanted to be a nice guy here. I really think at this moment he wanted to be a nice guy. But the good intentions he has don't come to head, they don't hold any merit. We all have great intentions, but we also have a flesh. The old nature that wants to rise up and do what it wants to do. We make statements of repentance, but we seem to forget the promises. The spirit is extremely willing in us, but our flesh is so weak. The issue is not reformation in our heart. It's regeneration of our hearts. We've been given new hearts by Jesus dying on the cross. We must look to the cross and examine what really happened there. By accepting Christ as my Savior, I'm either a new man... The word of God, again, is not true. I'm either born again, or the word of God is not true. And if I am a new man, and even if I fall daily, I must recognize that grace of God that dwells within me. Paul says, I am, I am, by the grace of God. The grace of God that dwells in me. And I must know that I'm a new creation, and that God is ever at work refining me, and into his image. There's no program available that will help to reform me. It's only by God's grace. It's only by God's mercy. It's only by me seeking him and allowing him to wash over me. Paul may have been sincere. Saul may have been sincere, but he desperately lacked the ability to keep his word. He was not walking with the Lord. God had removed the spirit from him, remember? God had taken the Holy Spirit from Saul. He had no power. He was helpless. He had no power source. There was no strength, no power to do the things that he even said he wanted to do. And it's tough enough to control the flesh with the spirit. But without the spirit, it's impossible to control the flesh. It's impossible. We must submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. We must allow him to guide us and lead us and strengthen us and lead us into the truth about Jesus Christ. 
Because David knew and trusted in God's promises, he was bold before Saul and the entire army. It was a holy boldness given to him by the Holy Spirit. Remember, when David was anointed king, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And David knew the Holy Spirit's power, and he trusted in the Holy Spirit. It came right out of David's heart. Because David's heart was right with God. David's heart was right with God. It was a holy righteousness that David was preaching. As we end tonight, the day would come when Psalm 54 would be answered for David, and he would be vindicated. Bless you. The Lord would judge those who oppose David. And as we continue in 1 Samuel, Samuel will go to Gibeah, his home, and in spite of this tearful speech that he made to David, he continues to pursue him. He continues to chase after him. Of all the battles that David won, many, many, many think that this was the greatest battle he ever won. This was the greatest thing he ever did. So what is the application? Well, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation we be, as we children of the Most High God, we must learn to wait upon him. We must learn to wait upon him and him alone. We must be able to say, Oh, my soul, I will wait upon you, O Lord. I will wait. A great song about waiting, John Waller sang it. I'll serve you while waiting. I'll worship while waiting. While you're waiting on the Lord, you continue to do the things that drew you to the Lord in the first place. As you continue to do those things, the Lord will show you more and more and more things. You don't jump up and down and get mad at yourself when you don't see it happening. You continue on in the Lord. You continue seeking Him with your whole heart. Continue looking to the Lord for the answers. And He will show you. This is David's heart here. David had a heart like God's. He was so close to God at this time. You know, I was over at Cape Academy, Cape Christian this morning, and did the, did the, uh, the uh, chapel service over there. And I, went, I was talking about David, and I, I talked about some things. We, we did a psalm. It was a psalm of David. And I asked them what they knew about David. And who can tell me the first thing they said? No. No. He sinned with Bathsheba. That's what they shouted out. And I said, see, everybody goes right to that. Everybody goes right to that. And how I used it, I said, well, that's what's so great about God. He never sugarcoated any of his heroes. We all see that they're fallen people and they need grace of God just like the rest of us. But that was the first thing they mentioned. They didn't mention Goliath. Not one of them mentioned Goliath. They all mentioned Bathsheba. They were kind of in unison. It was like they were waiting for me. <laughs> David was a man after God's own heart. David had such a relationship with God, it was most incredible. We should want that type of relationship that David had with God at this time. David's going to break that relationship with God. And he's going to pay for it dearly. But he's still going to be called a man after God's own heart. Because he will deal with his sin. He will confess it in the beautiful Psalm 51. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.